Here at New Life Church, it is our mission to engage those disconnected from God so they delight in Him through Jesus. That's our mission, to, to engage those who are disconnected from God. And as you have heard me say before, uh, we see that there is a spectrum of people who are disconnected from God. Sometimes you are completely, utterly, have always been and intend always to be disconnected from God. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you normally feel connected to God, but today you don't feel very connected. And so wherever you are at on that spectrum that we want to engage with you to help every person move from disconnected to connected. And so it seems appropriate to me that as we have been uh, winding down Romans chapter 8 that we have been talking about what can separate us from the love of God. What can separate us from the love of God. And so if you turn with me to Romans chapter 8 Uh, I'm going to read verses 31 through 39, but we're going to be focusing primarily on 38 and 39. I want you to pay attention to the whole thing as I read it, but a special attention to 38 and 39, okay? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect it is God who justifies who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He, he makes very clear in verse 31, uh, what, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? He, he lays down this claim. If God is for us, then who could possibly of, be of any significance and be against us? Who, who might be against us? If in fact, and this is his um, evidence that God is for us, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? And so he sets this section up, this small section from verse 31 to 39, bringing this, um, who could be against us if God is for us? And then he begins to... Uh, in the next several verses, talk about things that to us may seem like evidence that uh, people are coming against us or that we might be separated in some way from God's love. And so he brings the, at first verses 33 and 34, who could bring any charge against God's elect? Maybe if somebody brings charges or accusations, then that might separate us from the love of God. 
then we might become disconnected from God. If, if somebody brings charges and accusations against us and he says, nope, that's not going to work because it's God who justifies. Who might condemn? Christ Jesus you might think would condemn, but in fact, he's the one who died and more than that was raised, who's at the right hand of God and who is now interceding for us. So that's not going to work. People can bring charges and accusations, but that's not going to separate us from the love of Christ. That's not going to uh, be um, successful in being against us. So then verse 35, then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, shall any of these physical tribulations separate us from the love of God? People question all the time when they're in these situations whether or not God is truly for them because this hurts. And if God was truly for me, why would it hurt like this? And we talked about that last week, that uh, in all of these things, the question is not why does God allow these things to happen But can these things separate us from his love when they do happen? And the clear answer being no. No, no matter what the physical tribulation is, that cannot separate you from the love of Christ. No, in all these things, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, he says in verse 38, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is that great summary verse that summarizes all the rest of it to bring home that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say that with me? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing can. And so even though he's just listed in verses uh, 35 and 36 these, these difficult circumstances, these difficult physical circumstances that might be uh, against us, he says um, in verse 38, for I am sure, I, I, am, I am sure, he, ah, that, that way of saying that is not the best way of saying that, that he is sure. The, 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 the better way of saying that is, he has become convinced. Paul has become persuaded. Something happened to him in the past that enabled him to now be convinced and persuaded that this is the case. Right? It's not like, well, I'm pretty sure that I think that. No, something happened for him. What happened to him? When you're reading through, shall tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness or danger and sword, when you read through that list, I read through that pretty quickly, and you might go, I, I used to have one of those things happen. I've never had any of those things happen. Paul had all of them happen. All of those physical trials, all of those physical things happened to Paul. Tribulation and distress, 
and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword. All of those things happened to Paul. And because they could not separate him from the love of Christ, he had become convinced, persuaded, that nothing could separate him from the love of God in Christ Jesus his Lord. Nothing. For I have become come convinced that neither death nor life, all of those things, right? Even, even all of those sufferings in life, whatever life may bring you, that cannot separate you from the love of God. Even should it lead all the way to death, that will not separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That neither death nor life it's interesting to me that, that sometimes people are very concerned about right now. They're very concerned about right now. Am I separated? Could I become separated from God right now? Other times, people who are, are already feeling okay about where they're at right now are concerned that maybe at some point in the future, at death perhaps, that then that separation might happen. There's, there's this anxiety about the separation that might come. Or, or this anxiety that, that what, if, what if I'm clinging to this right now, but in death it turns out not to be real? Wouldn't that be tragic? If I clung to this hope all the way through life and then at death it turns out that, nope, that's not real. And so what Paul is saying here is, no, look, I am sure that neither death nor life, neither of those things will be able to separate us. Neither of those things will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nor angels, nor rulers. So we've, we've moved now from all of the physical things that we talked about last week that, that Paul has been dealing with, the struggles of life that might even lead all the way up to death. And now he says, nor angels, nor rulers, neither the spiritual things. Because sometimes there's the circumstantial stuff that, that seems to be against us, the, the physical things, the tangible things. And then sometimes there just seems to be this, this darkness that, that is over our heads. There, there seems to be this other kind of battle, a battle on a whole different plane. A battle of our faith. A battle of our mind. A battle of our spirit. It, it just seems to be on a whole different level that in some ways you, you can't articulate with words the, the struggle that you feel internally. And you begin to wonder, could this separate me from God? Even if all the physical stuff could not separate me from God, could this separate me from God? This, this thing that I almost can't define, but I know that it's there because I'm struggling in my very spirit and I'm struggling in my mind and I'm wrestling with these things. And I'm going, can this separate me from God? And so he wants to make clear that no, no angels nor rulers. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2, he, he puts it this way, uh, verses 8, 9, and 10. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. 
Do not let people um, cause you to question based on things that, that you're doing according to their own conventional wisdom, according to human wisdom, and the elemental, the base, um, basic levels of spiritual things. Don't, don't allow people to question your faith because of that. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition or according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in Him, that is, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Think about that for just a moment. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So Christ is the embodiment of all power and all rule and all authority. Everything begins and ends with Christ. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. That is a lot of power and a lot of authority. That is filling you. If that's the case, who could possibly separate you from the love of God? They don't have the right. They don't have the authority to do that. No matter who comes in, no matter what they say, no matter what badge they wave, no no matter what authority they claim, the head of all rule and authority fills you and trumps it and says no. Therefore, in just a couple of verses later in Colossians 2.13, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. That's good news. That's good news. All of the, all of the things that we have done, all of the sins that we have committed, all of the things that might separate us from God, the charges and accusations that might be brought against us, what happens to those? You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. All of them have been forgiven. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Any accusation that might be brought against you, even the legal ones that might hold actual weight, have been removed, canceled. Can you imagine that? You go go into the courtroom... And somebody says, I have these charges to bring against you. Those are legitimate charges. Yep, I deserve to have those charges brought against me. And then somebody walks in with that stamp and goes, canceled. No more. 
You cannot, those are illegitimate charges. They have been covered. You cannot bring those charges here. And you're standing there going, but wait, those were legitimate charges. See, this is what happens. Somebody comes in waving the badge saying, I have this power and authority and I am accusing you of having done these things that this must separate you from God because of what you have done. And Christ goes, what are you talking about? I'm the head of all rule and authority and I have canceled that. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Wait. Just for a moment. Think of all of those sins that you have done. Written down. In a formal, legal accusation brought against you. And now what happens to them? They are taken, they are put up on the cross, a nail is put there, boom! And it's nailed to the cross. So that as Jesus stretches out one arm and then the other arm, those nails go right in and the charges are taken care of. That's it. They can no longer be brought against you because they were already brought against him and he has accepted them. They were taken. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities by putting them to open shame, by triumphing over them in him. All rulers and authorities... He has disarmed. Whatever they might bring against you, they could bring a sword against you, they could bring a gun against you, they could bring charges against you, whatever they might bring as a weapon against you has been removed. They've been disarmed and now they have nothing. Have you ever seen those uh, cartoons? They, they used to be more popular for this kind of thing, but, but you would have... Um, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, and they would have the hammer and they'd raise it up like this, and somehow, because it's cartoon land, they would pause and erase the, the hammer, and they would put in something different instead. Right? It's that, that kind of situation here, that here they come with the charges, they come against you, it's been disarmed. Now they hit you with pillows instead of hammers, or nothing altogether, or it's reversed and they hit themselves in the face. Something ridiculous, I don't, don't know. But for them, it's very disappointing, I can see. For us, it's amazing. Because those charges can no longer be brought against us. Again, in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the same kind of thing. Here he's encouraging us because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? We've just talked about that last week in verses 35 and 36, the, the flesh and blood struggles that might try and separate us from God. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, he reminds us, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Yeah, if you thought there were physical problems last week that might possibly separate you from God, you don't even know the half of the problem. These are the real dangers. And so he, he tells you, stand, uh, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication. It's a spiritual battle. And so all of our defenses are spiritual defenses with which we must do pretty much nothing but have the faith. Right? Look at all of these, these things, all of the, the armor, all of the weapons that we bear. We just stand there. It repeats it over and over again. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. You don't tell uh, off, um, military personnel to just stand there. Just stand there. And do what? Wear your armor. And just stand there. And after you've stood there, stand firm and stand there. I thought we were in a war. We are. So you just stand there. I'll tell you what, you can sign me up for that kind of an assignment. You want me to just stand there? I can do that. Yeah, you just stand there. And here, here's what we'll give you. We'll give you a, um, a belt of truth and a breastplate of righteousness and the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, and Christ will do all of these things for you. So you'll be completely protected. Now stand there. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of, Christ, uh, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he who is the head of all rule and authority has filled us, has protected us, has armored us, so that all we must do is stand there in faith and he takes care of all the rest. Back in, uh, back in Romans chapter 8, he continues with his list. Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. Again with that. The things present and the things to come. Some people are worried about the present and some people are worried about the future. Seems that everybody wants to worry about something though. If I don't have problems right now, I'm worrying that those problems are coming. You find yourself in that position? Some people are looking at their finances right now and going, I don't know how this is going to work. Right now, this cannot work. And then there are others who are going, well, right now I'm okay, but I don't know how long this can last. In the future, this may not work anymore. 
And people have those same kinds of struggles with their finances as they do in their spiritual lives. Some people are going, I don't know if I'm okay before God right now. I'm I'm really struggling with this. There are things that I am doing. There are things that I have done. And I just don't know if I'm okay with God right now. Okay, time out. Let's deal with that. Do you believe that Jesus has taken that? If that's the case, then all those charges have been nailed to the cross. And right now, you stand firm in Him. Okay. Feeling okay about the right now, but what about the future? I mean, I don't know what comes in the future. What if I'm not faithful in the future? What if I don't hang on to God in the future? What if something changes in the future? What if my status before God changes in the future? Is God going to change between now and then? Is what Jesus did on the cross going to change between now and any time in the future? Is His authority over all things going to change? That somebody might come and usurp Him? And there's going to be a a change in government and suddenly we're going to have this separation from God? No. All of those things will remain the same. And so whether now or in the future, all of those things have been taken and nailed to the cross with Him. So that we can stand firm. So nor, no, neither things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. You can just see, he, he's going, what else can I measure? Things that are big and things that are small. Things that are high and things that are low. Things that are in the heavens and things that are on the earth. And things that are under the earth. Wherever you might find it, neither height nor depth. We read at the the beginning of the service, Psalm 139, and I just want to repeat these verses from there. Verses 7 and 8. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Where are you going to go? whether high or low, where might you go that you might become separated from the love of God? The world seems like a very big place to us. And then when we begin to look out just a little bit, we realize how immense the universe is. I mean, it's mind-boggling. The distance from here to the sun is a long, long way. And that's like that big when you're talking about the universe. And so when we start thinking about, well, what if I go over here? How far are you going to go? Are you going to go five miles? 55 miles? 500 miles? 5,000 miles? 50,000 light years? How far are you going to go? 
Where could you possibly go that God is not there? That you might be separated from the love of God. And so then he just summarizes the whole thing and says, nor anything else in all of creation. Nor anything else in all creation. Neither death nor life. Nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. Anywhere you go, this is what God has created. How could there possibly be anything among that which God has created and has rule and authority over which might separate you from the Creator? Colossians again. I really like Colossians, by the way. If you need a, a, a book to read because you've finished your um, reading plan, Colossians is a great choice. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him, this is Jesus, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Everything, all of the things that we've just talked about that might possibly separate us from God, those things that we fear might possibly have some way of separating us from the love of God. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together and he That same Christ, that same ruler, that same authority, that same God over everything, and He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of His cross. If that is the case, what could possibly separate us from His love? Therefore, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I want to read one more text to you. There's just so many places in Scripture that talk about this. And so I just want to like pound as many of them as I can this morning. Because we have this, this fear that somehow something might possibly, in some way, though the odds may be small, be able to remove us from the love of God. And so just over and over and over again, I want to repeat from as many places as possible that this is not possible. For those who are in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate them from the love of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. 
For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly place? far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to, uh, over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay, let's pause just a second because that's an awful lot to take in even though we've already previewed all of these things nothing is new in this section that we haven't already talked about this morning but we just have to pause and look at it again because paul is praying for them those who are in ephesus that they might see and understand that god the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him so that your eyes might be opened. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That's what we're talking about this morning, this hope that we have in him. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints? And why is that so certain? It is because of the greatness of our Savior. We did not have a weak and pathetic Savior. He was not frail. Sometimes when all we emphasize throughout the year is Christmas and then uh, Easter, then you start looking at, well, Jesus came as a man and uh, as a baby, and then he was, you know, small. And then you, you look at some of the ways that people were against him while he walked on the earth. And I mean, you saw little glimpses of things like miracles that he did. And people went, wow, he's got a lot of authority in his teaching. But you still sort of consider him to be a man. And then he was betrayed and put on the cross and killed. Do not think that because he allowed those things to happen, that there was any weakness in Christ. He did not give up. Being the ruler of all things. The creator and sustainer of all things. That was never in question. Yet he voluntarily submitted to that and then demonstrated his power and authority in his resurrection. So that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, And you who were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, Back when you were following the course of this world and following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh and carrying out the desires of the body and the mind that were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Yes, every single person did all of those things. Every single person followed his leadings, the prince of the power of the air. Everybody did things that that were against God for which they could have charges brought against them. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. If while we were at our very depths, the worst of the worst, out of His great love for us, He raised us up from there. And gave us Christ Jesus so that we may be saved. Then there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the thing that we get to reflect on this week. There will still be hurt. There will still be pain. There will still be frustration. There will still be moments of weakness. But I want for you, for this week, as your mantra to be, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we have your word to assure us that it is not up to us, that it is not up to our strength, that it is not up to our righteousness, that it is not up to our faithfulness or our devotion, but that you have loved us. You who created all things. You who are before and above and beyond all things. Who created life and now sustains it. By which the universe holds together. You have loved us. And have filled us with your spirit so that we might cry out to you, Abba, Father. Oh Lord, how great is your love. How awesome is your power. And so I pray for those who are here today. Those who are struggling to believe. those who are weak in faith, that you would assure them, that you would strengthen them, that you would fill them with your Spirit, that you would remind them of your love for them in Christ Jesus, that they might rejoice 
in all that you have done. And Father, I pray not only for these, but for those to whom they proclaim this good news. That they also might know that you are God of all and that you out of your great love have provided a Savior so that rather than being disconnected from you, we may be uh, delighting in your presence and in your love. Father, we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.